It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. On a Thursday, Rod Babers, E. Hogan, Ty Henderson as well. Good conversations this morning for sure. Astros back in it in the ALCS. How about uh, statistically, Rod, you're a big stats guy. Love it. Martin Maldonado is the worst hitter in baseball. Martin. Against four-seam fastballs. Uh-oh. That's that's a robust 117. Damn. That's bad. And uh, Max Scherzer threw him a 94-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball last night in a big moment, and he ripped it down the line, and Josh Young couldn't make the play, scored two runs. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. Yeah, man. That's, uh, Astro fans were that's happy clutch, to see man. that. Big that's, clutch. That's big clutch. clutch dude. I, that's, that makes that moment even bigger. <laughs> it was huge. Wow. Yeah, he doesn't hit fastball. He doesn't have the bat speed. He never mm. has been a great hitter, and now he's uh, his bat speed is down further as so he's the, aged. Uh, the scouting report worked. It actually blew up in the, the Rangers' face a little bit. Yes. Sometimes it does that, man. Sometimes you, you trust me. I'm a stats guy. I look at trends and patterns, and I'm always like, "Hey, do that more because that works more. Do that less because that's ineffective." And then sometimes you go into the damn game, and <laughs> that's why they play the game. That's how baseball goes. Didn't, didn't he strike out with the bases loaded in the game two? I mean, that's typically what he does. Exactly. <laughs> that's because he doesn't catch yeah, up with that, that fastball that was, very often. That was a very was the exception. moment. Yeah. yeah, that was the exception, that was not the rule. Gave the Astros their first lead of the series. Now there had already been a run scored on a pass ball, uh, a wild pitch, or whatever it were that jumped, you know, bounced off of Jonah Heim's catcher's catcher's gear. Um, because look, Max Scherzer, we talked about it. what is Max Scherzer going to be after five weeks off, and really just a simulated start to get ready for that game. Uh, he wasn't sharp. Got through the first inning, but then a walk, a hit batter, wild pitch. All those things led to a run, and then he left one up over the zone. Because even Martin Maldonado, who doesn't hit fastballs very well, it needs to be a well-located fastball, and that was not. It was up, and uh, Maldonado Shaky Scherzer. Uh, macheted it down, uh, down the line there, and that was big uh, for sure uh, in that moment. Uh, so, yes, a lot to like if you're an Astros fan, at least out of that game, to get it back to 2-1. to one. Let's get you caught up on the news, how the Astros uh, got back in the ALCS. Also, the other stories of the morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And, yeah, the Astros put an end to that Rangers win streak last night, got themselves back into the ALCS with an 8-5 win. We mentioned Houston jumped out 3-0 in that second inning with the walk hit batter wild pitch and then Martin Maldonado, the two-run single. Jose Altuve belted his 25th career postseason home run to lead off the third. Mauricio Dubon drove in another run in the fourth, and then Jordan Alvarez drove in two more in the seventh to extend the lead. Right-hander Christian Javier posted another strong October start. He held the Red Hot Rangers to two runs and three hits, over five and two-thirds. His career playoff ERA now is 2.08. It was Texas third baseman Josh Young doing the only damage last night for the Rangers. Hit a two-run homer in the fifth and another two-run homer in the seventh to keep the Rangers close. Texas still leads the best of seven, two games to one game four tonight. Andrew Heaney facing Jose Urquidy. 
Texas football. Longhorns now T-minus two days to the uh, showdown with Houston, the Cougars. First time the Longhorns have traveled to uh, South Houston in 22 years. Last time Texas played at Houston, a junior named Rod Babers was shutting down his side of the field at DBU. Chris Sims threw for 311 yards, three TDs, lead Texas to a win at Robertson Stadium, 53-26. Saturday, the Horns will face a 3-3 three three Houston team that won their first ever game as a member of the Big 12 on that Hail Mary play last Thursday to beat West Virginia. Texas currently a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. NFL Week 7 kicks off tonight in New Orleans. 3-3 three three Saints hosting the 2-2 two two Jag- or 4-2 Jacksonville Jaguars. Keep an eye on Jacksonville quarterback Trevor Lawrence. He's listed as questionable. Suffered a knee sprain in their win over the Colts this past Sunday. Says he's going to try to play. We'll see. A trade in the NFL. Word that Cole Hardeman has been traded back to Kansas City. The speedy wideout signed in free agency with the Jets last March. Jets have sent him back to KC in an exchange of late-round draft picks. In basketball, Vegas Aces, the first ever WNBA team to repeat as champions in the league's 21-year history. They beat the New York Liberty last night 70-69. to Asia Wilson led the way with 24 points and 16 rebounds. And Texas volleyball team, big win last night. They beat uh, TCU three, three sets to two uh, in Big 12 play. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Yep. Um, you know, we'll get into some uh, Texas football discussion here when we go behind the Burns Curtain and talk about Texas and U of H. Um, but the um, – the 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 Longhorns who have gotten some love here and with the mid season awards because you brought this up yesterday uh, you had a lot of uh, I think it was it was uh, the which uh, Lombardi award was the five Lombardi? Longhorns on the, the watch list for Lombardi you've got the Joe yeah. Moore Award which goes to the best offensive line unit Longhorns are on the mid season uh, honor roll there and they published uh, or at least Texas uh, they posted another one uh, this another mid season award uh, watch list or at least a mid season All American. Uh, award watch list, um, and it was from the AP, and the AP has Jonathan Brooks as their number one running back, as the uh, top running back, first team, and Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy as the second team Associated Press mid-season All-Americans. Well, look, the Longhorns which, have... Uh, which is not really a thing. Well, it just, just, it just, just became a thing. It's and it, clicks. Which is show, you know, I, know, I like it, because it shows you who's on track. Yeah, it does. We usually would have this discussion anyway, Except now you actually have the publications themselves doing it. So I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying it's not a you, you can't claim that yeah, I don't think at the end of the season you can't go, hey, mid season all American. You can't claim that. No. No, you <laughs> don't get you don't get it. It's not a, well, but that's really what it's yeah. about for me. For Texas, you're at the midway point. You know, the schedule was, you know, nice to set up where you have six games and then a bye and then six more. But what you've thrown through six games is you're really good. I mean, you're one of the top ten best teams in the country, in my opinion. Um you you didn't play great against another top ten team in Oklahoma, and you lost that game. Uh, really, a lot by your own your own doing, right? Your your turnover. Give Oklahoma credit uh, for for bringing the energy and bringing the uh, the intensity in that game. But, Good game plan too. Yeah, I mean, every, I mean, Oklahoma checked every box in that game. Can they do that six more times? We'll see. But for Texas, you know, all the offseason conversation is this the year that Texas is back? Is this the year that Texas, you know, gets back into the conversation, big picture? I think through six games, it's fair to say, yeah, they are. They're back into that conversation. And they've put some guys, some guys have earned what you're saying, right? Those honors. Uh, earned. Who would have picked Jonathan Brooks to be midseason All-American at running back? The first team. Wasn't even starting when He's the season began. Doak Walker Award front runner. Right. He, he, he might be the biggest surprise story in, in college football right now. One of them. Considering you followed up Bijan and Rojo. The best running back room in the country is still the best running back room in the country. 
<laughs> well, look, I mean, without the, at, the, at the start of the season, we called it the all gas, no excuses season. And I still think that's what it is. And now you're all gas the rest of the way. And if you if you improve on the things that you now have been exposed on that you still need to work on, well, those are all fixable, Rod. Everything we saw in the Oklahoma game to me is fixable uh, and are fixable. Uh, if you do, this has, this has, to be a, has a chance mm. to be a pretty special year that could end with a Big 12 championship or at least in the championship game. And then beyond that, you'll see. But you're right. I mean, that how do you get? How do you win a championship? You have really good players playing at at really high level, high levels. Mm-hmm. And you that's the thing with the long ones. You have guys doing that at pretty much every position on your team. Um, Kelvin Banks is playing well at left tackle and, and offensive line. Both of those guys are up for the Lombardi Award. Uh, Christian Jones and he, uh, your quarterback, is playing a pretty high level. You know, Quinn Ewers hasn't Quinn been perfect, but he's been pretty level. strong. Jonathan yeah. Brooks is preseason all American, midseason all American. I think Xavier Worthy. At wide receiver has played a pretty strong brand of football in the first half of the year. J.T. Sanders is going to be in the conversation for the Mackey Award. Uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy on the D-line. Jalen Ford didn't have his best game against Oklahoma. He needs a bounce back. But um, you know, Jade Barron has played a great brand of football for the yes, first half of the year. Game. Yeah. So uh, that's there's a lot to like about this team. Um, yeah, I know Longhorn fans still get nervous. <laughs> uh, you know, Can they keep it up? I think Sark has a good team right now, and they've got a chance to do something special with six to go. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks, um, here is all the midseason accolades that he's racked up. Um, AP, ESPN, CBS Sports, The Athletic, Fox, and USA Today have him as the first team midseason All-American running back. First, so he's considered their top back. Um, Four straight 100-yard games he's got. As he mentioned, he didn't start the season as a starting running back. <laughs> that was C.J. Baxter. Um, 121 rushing yards per game. That's tops among Power 5 running backs. And he is the Big 12 leader in all-purpose yards, rushing TDs, total TDs, and in rushing yards per game. He's actually got a decision to make if he stays on this pace, and hopefully he does, knock on wood, nothing happens. He stays on this pace, he's going to have a decision to make considering – the, the value of the running back position overall, his aspirations to play at the next level, which we know all the players want to play at the NFL level, and, you know, the shelf life of the running back position. If he's the top running back on the board, I think that they all say you go. Yeah. Did not expect that to be a conversation we're having middle season about Jonathan Brooks either. That's way down the line. But that just because he's accomplished and excelled uh, to this extent, that's why he is, you know, in that conversation, able to have that conversation. Well, and I think, again, going back to the preseason questions for Texas, you know, how do they replace Bijan and Roshan? Well, they've replaced them. They did. Um, and they've got – I said all summer, I felt like if Texas could run the football uh, and, and find that, that run game generator and then have play action, they're going to be really hard to stop. So I think that's – to they me, I know you like you – know, Sark likes to, to throw to set up the run. Uh, now you have the ability to do both, I think, if you're Texas. And this is where the improvement should come. I mean, I, it's pretty clear Sark didn't even know what he had in Jonathan Brooks. Right? No, he wasn't sure. No, C.J. Baxter. Twice. <laughs> right. C.J. Baxter was the starting running back. Versus uh, Bama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and against Rice. So, well, now you've got a back that's not just good. He's, he's a chance to be the best back in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, feed him. Feed him the rock and, and continue to you know build on this offensive line. You, you've recruited the big humans. Well, now you should be the the favored team in every game the rest of the year. Uh, we'll run the ball, and then create you know you know play action opportunities, RPO opportunities for your for your quarterback. This is going to be a hard offense to stop, especially if you can shore up your red zone issues 
if you can, I think the defense will continue to, to, to play at a high level as well. Uh, but, you know, this is a pretty good test for the defense against Houston because that's the one mm. thing they do pretty well. Yeah, they get they can, receivers and quarterback. They, they got some uh, they got some weapons offensively. They still it, the sum of its parts is not it, to me as lethal as it should be because I, I like the wide receivers and I think Donovan Smith is improving. Um, but they it all could come together versus Texas. We've seen that before. Remember, Donovan Smith did that before he before he beat Texas at Tech. Remember, he had he had like two games prior to that where he had turned the football over like three times, had thrown multiple uh, pick sixes, <laughs> and then he has a great game versus Texas because they had a great game plan. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit when we go behind the burnt orange curtain. But uh, I think U of H is going to try to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at uh, uh, Texas because Dana Hogson's got nothing to lose. I mean, a lot of people, including yourself, E, thought that if he lost that game versus West Virginia that he'd be gone. Yeah, there are folks in Houston that was a $20 million Hail Mary. So Saved him. Exactly. Because <laughs> so, they would have been buying him out and trying to hire a new coach, potentially. Yeah, so you want to save your job? This is a great way to do it. We'll play the audio because uh, we found it of, of, of uh, basically Dana Hogson saying, hey, they, my people are telling me I just got to win one. And Texas is that one. If he can do about it. This? This it's a, a tall task. Guys, as a Cougar alum, anything the Horns can do to hasten the departure of Dana Holgerson will be appreciated. It's going to be a three-flask game for Dana. <laughs> One more year of Holgo. Um, Holgo I do, must go. He'll he'll have something ready for Texas. I think, like I said, I said this yesterday, I think they got a single white female that Oklahoma game plan. They're going to copy and replicate as much as they can from it because it was a really good game plan, and it's a great test for Texas. If Texas in the bye week was able to solve the the issues and solve the problems that cost them that Oklahoma game defensively, then Texas, this will be a blowout, yeah. potentially be a blowout. If Texas didn't solve those problems, then Texas will win and probably win comfortably, but we'll still have anxiety about this defense versus a pass-first Starting quarterback, a, a pass first offense with a true starting quarterback. Remember, you've only faced three of those. Half of your game has been versus uh, offenses that are not pass first, but don't even have starting quarterbacks. Half the quarterbacks you face have been back quarterbacks. So, just so you know, I've taken, we'll get into this in, um, you know, behind the burner's curtain. I've taken that out of my sample size, actually. I've stopped watching those games with the backup quarterbacks. It's not worth it. Well, they change the offenses too much. Well, so if we're talking about midseason. The questions, yeah. the, the I, questions going into the season are one thing. Now you have midseason questions. Biggest question going into the second half of the year is the secondary. It is. Did, was that exposed? Is that a problem? And that's because you're going to play some teams with with good quarterbacks the rest of the way. We talked yesterday a lot about mm-hmm. the young freshman quarterbacks that are taking over in certain spots that are still on this Longhorn schedule. Uh, tackling secondary. Coverage ability. Jalen Milrow really didn't threaten your secondary that much, and he still hit a couple of big ones. Yes, right? he over, did. over the top. Yes, he did. Yep. Um, you know, obviously Dylan Gabriel had a heck of a game, and uh, your secondary. Those are starting quarterbacks, see? Uh, Those are the sure. starting QBs you faced. Well, and it, like, life so, is easy versus backups. Well, and you know what? I mean, I know you can't take. <laughs> easier. If you go back and, and and rewatch the Oklahoma game for Texas, the the defense didn't play terrible. Except for the end the of the last, first half and the end yes, of the second half. The last two drives yeah. of the half. They were two-minute defense. The two-minute defense was terrible. Uh, they, they got off to a horrible start because of two quick interceptions, and then you know the defense kind of bowed up at times there. The defense actually played pretty well, but the three drives that, that were, were killers were the two at the end, the end of the first half and the end of the game, and then the start of the third quarter. Those were the drives where your defense was not good, and that's – you know, the defense gave you a chance and an opportunity, but it has to improve, and that's what I wonder, because uh, Houston can challenge you with three really good receivers uh, and a good quarterback who's already beaten Texas once in his career, who's playing pretty well right now, uh, playing pretty well. So eager to see how this re- secondary responds 
because we know the safeties have been an issue. The rotation of the defensive backs have been been questioned by Texas fans a lot. Uh, why are we playing so many guys? Sark believes in it. Same time, you got to play at a higher level in clutch moments, right? Key moments, critical moments of games. Longhorns weren't able to do that in the in the Cotton Bowl. Well, they weren't able to apply pressure. I can tell you as a guy who used to play in the secondary, you're a whole lot more effective as a secondary defender when there's pressure being apply, applied to the opposing quarterback because Oklahoma's game plan was so effective with the uh, up-tempo offense and using Dylan Gabriel as as a runner, as a dual threat uh, in the running game. It neutralized a lot of Texas pressure, which was you know allowed them to expose the secondary, but specifically exposed them in two-minute situations, two-minute defense. If you are an opposing team going up against Texas, you probably want to try to replicate that in-game if you can. I mean, essentially just go hyper-speed in-game at one point. Not the whole game. That will wear you out. But at one point during the game, because it seems like that Texas defense struggles in that crisis situation, playing two-minute style defense, which is what kind of the veering shoot. Remember, they're 15th in the country in plays per game, Oklahoma is. Uh, I believe uh, Houston is 35th in plays per game. So they don't go as fast as Oklahoma. They might in this game after watching that Oklahoma film, but Oklahoma's veer and shoot offense almost has that uh, kind of two-minute speed, up-tempo speed baked in to the offense, and the air raid has it as a part of its DNA. I guarantee you Dana Hogerson situationally may decide, you know what, let's go hyper-speed versus Texas in the middle of the first quarter or middle of the third quarter to try to replicate the two-minute defense and see if they still have issues with it because they certainly had issues with it versus Oklahoma and actually had issues with it versus Bama. Don't forget, end of the first half versus Bama, the Bama goes down the field in a very similar way that Oklahoma was doing. Big chunk yardage plays, missed tackles by the defense, and then they get down into the red zone really easy, and then they end up kicking a field goal. So that might be something to watch if you're you know, a yep. Texas fan in this U of H game. Yep, red zone offense, two-minute drill defense, and uh, you know tackling. And I would mm-hmm. also add that to that, as Sark has mentioned, the rush, the rush lanes, right? I mean, it's one of the – I understand the, the defensive line. They've been told all offseason we got to sack the quarterback, rush the quarterback, pressure, 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 force turnovers, right? Well, you still have to maintain the integrity of your defense, and that led to a lot of yards for Dylan Gabriel uh, running the ball, and Donovan Smith will take advantage of that in this game. It's not, a, it's not a good Houston defense. They're terrible at every level. Texas should be able to score a lot of points, but the defense will be challenged by this Houston team, and Three Flask Dana, as they call him down in Houston, apparently. Hey, uh, he like we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain. Rod will take you there. Also, we'll tell you why, if you're an Astro fan, you got to feel pretty good about last night. A couple, a couple of cool, good things you saw. Uh, that you know, it's going to be a long series, I believe. I said that in the beginning. Even the Astros fell behind two games to none. Felt like it's going to be a long series. I think the Astros made that clear last night. We'll get to that. Also, a preview: Phillies Diamondbacks game three, ALCS and NLCS doubleheader coming today. Plus the uh, NFL. We'll get a thought on this Jacksonville game tonight in New Orleans against the Saints. Rod takes us behind the BOC. Plus, off the record before the end of the hour on a busy Thursday into the weekend on Hook 'Em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Well, behind the burnt orange curtain coming up, Rod Babers with the deep dive on Texas Houston. Big 12 football. First time ever, Longhorns, first and last time Longhorns will face the Houston Cougars, a member of the Big 12 Conference. The first and the last, Rod. The first and the last. Coming up on Saturday at 3 o'clock down in South Houston. Uh, uh, TD. Mm. 
SECU Stadium, I believe is what they yep, call that down that's there. That's right. You got it right. Uh, down on the third ward. Get there early, as we said. Parking will be a mess. The traffic will be a mess. It's just Houston. You know what I'm saying? It's Tillman big... Fertitta, the sugar daddy, will probably be there. I bet you Probably Tillman... some, uh, some, some, some local stars from um, the H-Town area. I would guess. There. I would guess. Yeah. Pow Wow's uh, going to show up like like my man Ty just played not too long ago. Pow Wow show up. Maybe some Mullins. Astros or Rangers will show up because if the Astros are able to win one more game, it'll, well, yeah, we'll force this thing back to Houston for game six on Sunday. Could. Hopefully. Uh, they'll be off on Saturday. Hopefully, but not hopefully. Twins. I wonder if Mattress Max going to show up. But he's a long, he's a lifetime long one. I what bet he'll he be do? there. I bet he'll be there. Is he gonna be, what was he going to root he'll for? He'll be for Texas. He be for, okay. Just like half the stands. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, people people don't people don't know it because Mattress Mac doesn't really throw it out there the often. Way, but this is a lifetime long one, baby. Not unnoticed by Shout these out. eyes on the Thursday night game last week when they played West Virginia Thursday night primetime game, won it with a hail mary. There was hail nobody mary. there. There was nobody there. Maybe <laughs> I don't think there'll be anybody there this weekend. It'll oh be no, it'd be packed with Longhorn. But it's, it's a sellout. Mostly with Longhorn, but Longhorn fans will be like half the. They'll be like half the stands. Uh, if, but it was probably more. That was pretty. I mean, if you were whenever they were showing over the headshots, you're like, oh my gosh, the Big Twelve can't be happy with that. That's just yeah. You know, two Big Twelve teams, prime time Thursday night, and there's nobody there. Yeah, in a city of five million people, uh, there's no one at the game. Longhorn fans will pack it to come see. Their team, and it's a uh, in in that city. That's that that city. At one point, I remember it being an Aggie town. It has switched now into a Longhorn town since Mac split. Mac Mac did that when I was when I was growing up. It was it was an Aggie town. I'm not joking. Like it was a strong Aggie presence in H town when I was was younger. Um, and I was like the first one to Houston Lamar to to start the pipeline to the University of Attaboy. Texas. You didn't have a lot of guys doing that, but. And no, no, Mac Brown came and he really changed that. I mean, think about all the guys he got from Houston, Vy and Corey Redden, and I mean, he really did make a huge impact in H Town. Rod B, myself, but that Mac and changed you, that. And I, now it may be I don't know split, but I think it was a it was a Texas town once Mac got there and he she changed. I still everything. think it's it's flipped back to the Aggies, maybe. It could um, be. I don't. I don't live there anymore. But yeah, it does neither, feel like exactly. there's more Aggie. There's a big uh, Aggie alumni base. There is. Oh no, it's there huge. Is. That's what, it's, it's always been. But Mac, yeah. Mac changed it for a while. Mac, he Mac, did. He changed it for a minute. And the Aggies stink. So you know what that, you that, do? that doesn't help things. Yeah. yeah, they're off this week, so we don't have to worry about them. Uh, so if you're an Astros fan, the reason to be optimistic. If you're a Ranger fan, I don't. I don't think you can be too surprised that Max Scherzer wasn't sharp. I think you could, you know, question Bruce Bochy for. You know, going there, I, I think they should have brought him out of the bullpen. That would have been my opinion. But either way, they needed a starting pitcher. And now the Astros have here's, – here's why you're optimistic. I think the Astros have turned it to a pitching advantage for them because they have a reliable, really good postseason starter many times. And Jose Urquidy tonight, Andrew Heaney, uh, as you said, Rod, the, mm. the the Astros in their historically have roughed him up. You want you want the numbers? I do want the numbers. Uh, okay, so career batting averages against Andrew Heaney for the Astros. Pena, 429. Dubon, 333. Altuve, 324. Bregman, 314. Alvarez, 286. McCormick, 286. Uh, Breu, 263. And Brantley, 250. Yes. It is. Uh, th- th- that's the opportunity. And it <laughs> might be a short start for him because I think he's going to have a quick leash. And the, the Rangers are going to have to try to get to because you know, play, you're playing three games in a row here in mm-hmm. Arlington. Houston is now 7-1 and one in that building this year. They like hitting there. They like playing they there. Uh, and if, if you're an Astro fan, the other thing I was encouraged by last night, not just that um, Jose Altuve hit a home run and had two hits in the game. Remember, he'd been pretty much 0 for the series until that. Uh, he may be getting going a little bit. And Kyle Tucker, remember they moved him down to the lineup in this game to put Michael Brantley into the two-hole. Uh, and Kyle Tucker took two walks, and then he had a big double when the game was already decided. Had a great at-bat. 
Uh, I'll be looking for Kyle Tucker because if he gets going, that's what extends this lineup. Because Jordan Alvarez has just been unbelievable. Uh, mm. Your guy, I mean, Leody Tavares made one of the best plays you'll ever see in center field last night to rob him of his seventh postseason home run. He also though had two other hits and drove in two runs, so he's batting four oh seven in the postseason right now. He's been unbelievable. Um, you know, Rangers need to get Marcus Simeon going. He's batting one seventy in this series. He's the top of the order. He's their igniter. He hasn't done much yet, uh, so. That needs a change if you're a Ranger fan. But, uh, you know, the, the, the series is on now. I mean, the yeah. Astros got the win they needed. Uh, tonight becomes really critical. And if they can. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, if you get this back to 2 2, obviously anybody series. But, you know, the Astros are still going to have to win a game at home, right? They're still going to have to win a game in a major park. Like you said, they should stay in a hotel. Yes. They stay in hotels and have the fans boo them. And then Mercilessly. they should, fans wear Rangers stuff and boo, cheaters. Be the Astros, <laughs> call them cheaters. Bring out trash cans and bang them, whatever. Give them the middle finger. But treat them like trash. Don't, don't treat them like you love them because yeah. they, don't re, they, that's, they don't respond well to that. That's not their love language anymore. Yeah, the Astros' right. love language now is the middle finger because <laughs> they're sure. used to it. But as we said last <laughs> Last hour in our good debate, there's only two members of the Astros roster that were on that team in 2017. Three. But there's, well, Justin Verlander got there for a month, so it's hard to put him into that conversation for me. Mm. Um, Justin Verlander's been unbelievable for Houston. You don't see a Justin Verlander in that light. Are you I, kidding me? I had to see him as a choke artist. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, great. Going straight to the Hall of Fame. I will say that. So what does uh, that make Max Scherzer this, then? I mean, he was hurt. He was hurt. <laughs> he was hurt. And for the past Max, time, Max Scherzer hurt. had one of the great, for the Nationals, when he was having those neck spasms in that game seven when he came in, won that game. That's probably one of the best pitching postseason performances in a crucial moment that I've ever seen in my life. Justin Verlander, every time I watch him pitch in the postseason, he gets shelled like he did. Only in the World Series. And the series. He got shelled in game one. He didn't get shelled. He lost. He gave he up took two the L. runs. He gave up two runs. Took the L. Uh, okay. Take the L. Let's be literal. He didn't get shelled. Hey, can we go behind the burn orange curtain? Ty's about to irritate me again. Let's get to the uh, BOC. <laughs> and they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. I'll just throw this out there. Down 2-1 on the road. The Astros have been here before and have done pretty damn well. Down 2-1 on the road. Remember Championship 20, DNA, bro. Yeah, 2022 World Series. Down 2-1 on the road. Won the next two games. Down 2-1 on the road. 2021 LCS. Won the next two games. Down 2-1 on the road. 2019 World Series. Won the next two games. They haven't always done it, but they got some history here. And like you said, got some championship pedigree. Were they and, cheating then? And you can thank, <laughs> you can thank L. Reptile. L. Reptile last night. Yeah, I like that. Nick, that's a great nickname, it's by the way. L. Reptile. Fantastic. Hey, I'll give him his flowers. He's a baller. That, yeah. that, that fastball is unhittable. I've never seen anything yeah, like the that. The rise ball he throws is really reptile. good. Uh, Christian Javier, 26-year-old right here. L. Reptile. I like that. Um, okay, let's uh, speak of H-Town. Let's talk about uh, an H-Town team. Let's talk about the Houston Cougars and what they might try to do to upset Texas. You know, so I started doing, we had a, obviously Longhorns had a bye week, so we had some extra time to watch some film um, and do some deep diving into the uh, the Texas defense. I want to try to 
look at the Texas defense a little bit and see if I missed something because I think that was um, maybe an overconfidence in the Texas defense, <laughs> a false confidence, if you will, uh, in the Texas defense going into that Oklahoma game. And it's not overall. The defense actually is sound overall, and the scheme is sound. It's just situationally sometimes you can see some cracks in the armor for the, the Texas defense. And we were just talking about it, the, the two-minute defense. Let's jump into that just really quickly because that was exposed versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma scored 10 points uh, in their two-minute drills total uh, the last end of the first half, end of the game, of course, a game-winning touchdown at the end of the game. They also – and so I basically I've taken out – just so you guys know, I've taken out the backup quarterbacks out of the sample size I'm watching because I was trying to figure out what maybe that we missed or I missed that gave us or myself a false confidence in the Texas defense. And I think it was a backup – playing backup quarterbacks, which we talked about how rare that was that Texas played three backup quarterbacks in a row, like just backup quarterback after backup Baylor, quarterback. Wyoming. Right? And even my theory after the Oklahoma game, even before the Oklahoma Kansas. game was – I wish, yeah, I wish they'd have played Jalen Daniels. Not that you know Jalen Daniels would have helped Kansas beat Texas, but he would have exposed some of the issues that I think, unfortunately, were exposed on a much bigger stage, bigger platform against a a marquee opponent in Oklahoma. And I think that would have been exposed versus Kansas, some of it. And Texas would have went to that game with a better game plan. Um, I think they would have solved some of the problems that they had to they they were presented in the Oklahoma game. They'd have solved those the week before. With a dual threat quarterback, uh, you know, with a, a, a an offense that can be pass first if they need to. That yeah, Jalen Daniels, is the preseason Big Twelve yes. Player of the Year, offensively, right? yeah. this so is a really good player. You do, yeah. And you know, when they, you know, not only is a backup quarterback, Rod, coaches typically will scale back the offense for a backup uh, quarterback. No so doubt, it's very conservative. And that was the first. Remember, they've learned about this the week of sometimes. Yes, like the the, 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 start, the starting quarterback was practicing all week, and then like, oh no, what this guy's a back injury, he can't play. Um, so they were learning about it kind of real time as it happened. Yeah, so I, I took that out of the sample size. That's what I did. I just took fair. it out of the sample size. And here's what I ended up find, here's what I ended up uh, looking at. So if you take that out and look at the we're taking that two minute defense here. So that gives you six opportunities to defend a two-minute drill at the end of the first half, end of the second half, with those three starting quarterbacks you face in the Bama, uh, Rice, and Oklahoma games. Um, so only three times has Texas has to defend a two-minute drill against a starting quarterback, not a backup. And 26 total plays, either I counted. I included penalties, all right, and I included the field goals. All right, so that's 26 total plays on those three drives where you were defending a two-minute drill. Do you want to know what I found? What'd you find? I found ten missed tackles total on those twenty-six plays. Three co- ten out of twenty-six plays. Yeah. All right. Now some plays you had mo- you had three missed tackles on one play. But <laughs> oh, so yeah. you know I mean still hey, still the number is the number okay. right. Uh, it wasn't just ten you know one on every play. Sometimes you had two three on the same play. Um, but still 26, 26 plays ten missed tackles three coverage busts total. Two of those were on the game-winning drive <laughs> uh, for Oklahoma. We knew that because Sark admitted one. Then we saw one on the game-winning drive by Benda. And then there was another one in the Alabama game on their uh, first half uh, drive at the end of the first half, their two-minute drill drive. Texas had a coverage bust there. There was a gap integrity breakdown uh, on one of those plays. There was a penalty, a P.I., and you end up allowing 13 points on those three drives, two field goals and one touchdown, which means they, they scored – on every time you had the opportunity to defend a two-minute drill against a starting quarterback. Got to get better. Got to get better. There's, there's panic 
in that crisis situation. It's a crisis situation, but still the defense shouldn't be panicking, and that's what they're doing. So I wonder if some team is noticing that, maybe U of H, if they'll try to replicate a two-minute drill in the middle of the quarter. Right? We're talking about like 10 minutes, 10 minutes uh, left in the first quarter, and they'll go, all right, you know what, let's go. Hyperspeed, two-minute drill. Let's just see if Texas responds well to it. Now, in addition to the actual two-minute drill defense. So that's something I looked at just when you you know taking out the, the backup quarterbacks. And now we're just kind of looking at the, the meat of the, the data, right? Um, and I think that's what I kind of found. Also, the deep ball, Texas has done a really good job defending the deep ball. But when I take you know the backup quarterbacks out of it, and by the way, backup, hell, Baylor had a backup quarterback. He defended he threw some deep balls against Texas and completed them. So I'm not saying backup quarterbacks can't do it, but for my sake of this sample size, I'm just looking at the starting quarterbacks that Texas faced. Um, Texas allowed starting quarterbacks to complete 50% of their deep balls, 20 yards or more down the field. Again, starting quarterbacks. By the way, Dylan Gabriel didn't even threaten Texas deep that much. He was just one of two on those deep pass down the field. But Jalen Miro, um, as my man E mentioned earlier, he had a lot of deep shots down the field. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even necessarily a great pocket passing quarterback. He just – and I, actually, I got another – Nice little nugget for you coming up. I'm going to tell you what gave him a nice advantage completing uh, those deep balls downfield. Uh, but he completed a lot of deep balls down the field against the Texas secondary. So I'm just, I'm just looking at starting quite JT Daniels didn't complete any. Um, and I don't think Rice had the personnel to really do it either. Um, but there you go. And I think U of H, they got speedy wide receivers like uh, – um, you know, Man Jack and Sam Brown's a really good wide receiver. Matthew Cullen, these are good wide receivers who have speed. They will try to test Texas deep. And Texas likes to play man-to-man coverage. And if they end up playing some man-to-man coverage or match quarters, which deteriorates into man-to-man coverage, they could end up in some situations where Dunvis Smith could take a shot if they have the pass protection, and they can take some shots downfield. And Texas, against starting quarterbacks, allowing a 50% completion rate on those deep balls. Uh, the three starting quarterbacks they faced this year. And when they're throwing deep balls, and I got this little nugget, and we'll end it on this. Um, when they're throwing deep balls, if they've been watching enough film, and this is, like I said, this is me really diving deep and rabbit holing, Texas, Texas DBs have struggled defending targets to bunch formations. Bunch formations are clustered groups of receivers. Could be tight ends, could be running backs, could be wide receivers. Uh, anytime you put them, cluster them close together, uh, Tom Herman used to call it snug. Uh, it's a tight twins. It could be trips together in a bunch with a, a triangle trips or a tripod trips. It can even be quads. Anytime you have a clustered group of really close receivers together, I was uh, taught that was a, called a bunch formation. Um, so anytime Texas defending targets to a bunch, meaning a quarterback throwing to a receiver who was in a bunch formation of any kind, Oklahoma, 80% completion percentage, Alabama, 87% completion percentage, Rice, 60% completion percentage, targeting players out of bunch formations. I'll even give you this. If you look at third downs, third down conversions, look just looking at the starting quarterbacks that just faced, just three of them, all right, and when they are targeting players – in bunch formations, on third down, on money. Say money down, third and fourth downs. How about this? Conversion rate of 72%. Yeah, not good. That's got to get better. 72%, 45% explosive play rate, almost over 15 yards per attempt. Like I said, nobody's really 
because nobody watches as much Texas as I do other than the coaches over there. <laughs> um, but if somebody's trying to figure out how you attack the Texas secondary, you make them read and react to those bunch formations and those releases or receivers rather than redirect and reroute creates a lot of space for the receivers and it creates windows for the quarterback. So that's something to watch versus U of H2, who's Donovan Smith. I think he can actually accomplish that. He's having his best four, three-game stretch of his career right now. Texas got to make sure they derail that. We'll come back when we do. It's off the record. Got some off the record, including a story. Uh, is there anything more tired than James Harden drama? Anything more tired <sighs> than James Harden drama in the entire sports world? Seriously. I think not. So also, how we bring Austin, Texas, and Patrick Mahomes together this weekend. It's hook them up with Ian Robby. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Off the Record on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Cole. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of (laughs) Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record never sucks. It's going to be short today because we're up against the top of the hour. But, hey. but, hey, Rod, did you know that uh, the F1 race is in town this weekend? Yes, we're giving away our tickets today. I believe the uh, the deadline to get signed up with that text of the word race, race to our text line. I think the tickets will be given away. The Wears fans today. Do it. Do it. Uh, congratulations to whoever picks those up. But do you know that uh, F1 is the fastest growing sport in the United States right now? I can believe that. And did you know that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are leading a group of investors is pouring money into Alpine F1, one of 10 teams that's uh, based in the United States is trying to grow into becoming an F1 power. How about that? Patrick um, Mahomes and shocked. Travis Kelsey. I'm not shocked at all. Um, Getting involved. Mahomes tra- says, I think everybody can see the appeal. I've been able to get to a couple races now, seeing the environment, and then obviously watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. You see how competitive it is. Anytime you get an opportunity to get into that, as competitive as I am, hopefully it can uh, create some great opportunities. So there you go, Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's everywhere too. He's, he's kind of doing everything. He's, isn't he's he? everywhere right now, man. You can't avoid him. He's also he's also apparently upgrading his living situation. Sweet, because you know he's dating one of the biggest pop stars in the world. So got to update your living situation. Sources familiar with the situation tell us Chiefs tight end just bought a new home in Kansas City with the sale closing Tuesday. We're told he snapped it up for just under six million dollars. Is that all? Um, yeah, well, Kansas City. <laughs> no, I'm not, not against Kansas City, but like, you can get a good, you know, get a lot of square footage More there. More affordable there. Uh, six bedrooms, six baths, over 16,000 square feet. There you go. He's upgrading. And he also admitted now he is a little self-conscious about his outfits because everybody's watching what he wears pre-game and post-game. So he admitted now it takes him a couple of hours to get the outfit right. And he smells like a dream. Right? And he smells like a dream? Smells like a dream. Got to get that outfit right, man, because now he got to, he's got all the, the Swifties. By the way, uh, that same interview I played, the smells like a dream cut for him, it was on, it was on the Today Show mm-hmm. with Aaron Andrews was on there. 
with Hoda. What's her name? Hoda. Hoda. Hoda Codby. Hoda. And she said she kind of takes a little credit that she set up Travis <laughs> Kelsey with with Taylor Swift. That she was kind of the who says that. That's what Darren Andrews says, that she was. What do you mean? I, I, he was the one trying to get the bracelet. How did she set it up? She she get the word out, apparently. I don't know. She, she's taking a little bit of credit for it. Do you, you know that according to Forbes magazine, uh, Taylor Swift did take the crown uh, for the most <laughs> profitable summer concerts, concert tours? Oh, yeah. I think that thing's supposed to bring in like $4 billion. Worldwide, yeah. That's something ridiculous. But just, and the movie is like killing it now, too. Um, the movie we, about Mar- the concert. From March to August, Swift played 56 stadium <laughs> shows across 20 cities, grossed more than $780 million. 780, just in those few months. Yeah. 56 shows. That's pretty damn good. Beyonce was number two at 460 mil. Uh, Ed Sheeran. Ed, Ed Sheeran's Sheeran. the smartest of all. He doesn't share any of that money. It's just him. He doesn't have like roadies or anything. He just <laughs> no puts, show, no he performance. Doesn't. He's just sitting there with like a, yeah, he's got well, a stool. You, see, you go to the Eras <laughs> tour and see Taylor Swift, there's like 70. Oh, yeah. Have semi-trucks. Beyonce's like that, too. She's got a dancers and yes. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Ed Sheeran's just him and his guitar and that little music maker thing. Give me my money. Yeah, Coldplay, number four. Pink, number five. Pink is still up there doing it like that? Pink had 37 Damn, shows Pink. and earned over $300 million. Pink is still performing like that? Acrobatics. You, girl. Harry Styles, six. Elton John. How about Elton John at his age? Why is Pink still up there? Good These for people her. People love her shows, man. I think Pink is awesome, but don't I do you too. don't you agree? Pink is like one of these things is not like the other. When you start looking at all these, yeah, Harry artists. Styles, Beyonce, Elton, Elton John. John. Yeah, exactly. It's like I love Pink's in there too. Morgan Wallen was eight. Uh, Luke okay. Combs was yeah. nine, and The Weekend was the ten. The Weekend was ten. Good for you, Pink. I'm hey, I'm, I'm happy for you. Still doing your dick. Still doing your dick. Speaking of big concerts, we mentioned <laughs> our set list yesterday. Our buddy Nick Shuley had the uh, two Chris Stapleton shows Friday and Saturday. Mm. Oh, yeah. Moody Center. Man, I, I know. That's one of the – on Craigway's music survey, that was one of the uh, artists I mentioned that I want to see live in person. Go see him. Chris Stapleton. You get – ask Ty. He'll scam you in. How did, Ty can get you tickets, I'm sure. Man, Ty knows everybody. Hook it up. He'll get, <laughs> he'll hook, he'll it up. get up. I'm hook him up. Yeah. Oh, man. We will uh, continue hmm. the conversation. We've got two hours to go in our five-hour extravaganza. Oh, look, people are now texting race. <laughs> I think we're done. I don't know. I Uh-oh. think it's over. It's over. It's over. Ooh. We've been doing it all since last I'm week. pretty sure it's it. I'm 99% sure. Well, I'm sure Christina <laughs> Killingsworth, our marketing director, will let me know. KK. When Still and if we have a text, winner. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate all the texts. The tech, new text line has been a great success. Great job. Great job. 447-3776. Appreciate you doing that and letting us know what you think. Astros, Rangers conversation. Cowboys off this week. Texans off. Aggies off. We do have the Longhorns playing the Houston Cougars and some big games we're previewing this weekend, including the game tonight. Jacksonville and New Orleans will make picks before we get out of here. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.